Hello, and welcome back to But I'm a Professional, a podcast where we learn ways to improve our professional selves by applying evidence-based recommendations from the exciting world of organizational psychology. Me, I'm your host and guide, Nancy Elizabeth, and I am here to help. Help me help you. Come on in, professionals. Let's get started. Well, come in, come in one and all, take a seat, pull up a pew, sit down, get comfortable, strap in and stand back. Okay. Um, you might be thinking, what's all this in? I thought the season was done. Well, you'd be right to think that. And also you'd be dead wrong. This is a mini series, a mini, mini series. I suppose the difference with this in comparison to the other episodes that I normally do is this is uh, focused on what we get wrong. And it's for people who are in managerial roles who who struggle with those issues of, of things we, I mean, it should really be called what we still get wrong because it's the, the issues that continue to plague us and are commonly found in these roles. Um, and also, the, the the things that we're getting wrong, these issues that we're we're facing uh, in in managerial roles, it's it's a real shame because there exists a backlog of you know research and recommendations and a lot of um, a lot of advice coming out of coming out of the literature of um, particularly in organizational psychology that I study. That would that would help to to fix these things with with you know not too much adjustment adjustment if I'm honest, um, but it, there's this gap I find this gap over over and over uh, where we have all this information available to us there there's uh, a lot of a lot of evidence to to support how to do something differently and we still get um, you know business leads hiring managers decision makers in organizations everywhere continuing to look at said recommendations and, you know, give it the old, no, thank you. Let me continue to shoot, shoot this organization in the foot. Um, I think I'll carry on and chase the next fad. Uh, actually, that's probably a little generous. I would say a lot of them don't bother to look or listen at or to anything or anyone. Oh, that's really not the tone. It's not the tone, is it? We don't, that's not the attitude. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to, to talk about how people are screwing it up. What we want is we want to find solutions. We are solutions oriented. And honestly, if we, you know, if we're, if we're going to identify why this continues to happen, why we continue to get things wrong, even though there's, there's a lot of information out there to help us get it right with, like I said, just a few adjustments. Um, it's very much, it's often, I think very much the case of the illusion of knowledge getting in the way of the actual knowledge, the useful knowledge. And what I mean by that is trends come and go a lot, particularly in the world of business, and they're really flashy and they're fun and they've got cute names and phrases and everybody's like, ooh, what's this thing everybody's talking about? Let me go try that. And it just it sort of clogs up the system and 
and takes our attention and our time away from from the sort of more mundane things that don't get as much airtime, but actually are much, much more effective in in solving problems. And and that's why you're here. That's why you're here, professionals. Uh, you know, with any luck, you are. Well, first of all, you're in the business of managing people in some way, shape or form. And you are seeking guidance and you are seeking ways to improve on those uh, managerial approaches. And for that, I say, it's nice to see you. Pick a spot in the front. Um, we mustn't be sad. We mustn't despair. And all hope is indeed not lost because after all, you're here and I'm here. And we have the science on our side, and science will be our guide. Evidence will be our beacon. Investigation, our roadmap, uh, I guess. Hop on board, listeners, and let's go right some of these wrongs that I speak of. Today's wrong is resilience. What we still get wrong about resilience. Are you ready? I thought so. I wonder what sounds are going to come through when I edit this later. It's an awful lot of ticking and a certain amount of bellowing going on in the background. Apologies in advance. Uh, right. Today we're going to talk about resilience. So let's activate the old schemata, shall we? Um, when I say a word like resilience, what are the sorts of images and what are the other sorts of words that pop into your mind? Resilience. I would imagine you're picturing some form of hardship and and continued hardship some like you know feats of strength and sustained amounts of strain of one sort or another um i dare say we often hear the word resilience used when someone's trying to help paint pictures uh that have uh, a sense of of might and force and all those those types of words and then particularly when we're thinking and talking about work, we often run into this language um, to ask either of ourselves or other people, particularly when we're hiring people, if they're able to cope with a certain level of challenge. Um, I shall give you an example from my own working life. I heard this word over and over, both during the selection procedure for, and then during the time I worked in a role, uh, where I was in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. So there, yeah, there was a lot of like, <laughs> there was a lot of interview questions that were like, are you resilient? Yes. Any follow-up questions? Uh, tell us how, and you know, and then um, a lot of at the end of the interview. Well, you had to be you had to be resilient to work in this context, and then when I was in in the in the post in the role, um, both for my role and for the organization and for the team and everything in between, 
Um, there was a lot of sort of, you know, talking about strengthening future resilience and, you know, um, all that kind of language. But it, it meant different things depending on who was using it to talk about what and when. You know what I mean? Um, so I suppose my point is people use resilience as a word that uh, talks about seemingly everything from grit and determination all the way up to unhealthy boundaries and exhaustion. And so, yes, that's that's one of the things that we're getting very, very wrong, the way that we, we speak and overapply it to um, situations. But of course, you can't change how, how other people use it. You can only change how you use it. But if you are a manager, then that is an important first step. Um, I think... I think it's often used as well to discuss a sort of, of toughness that's required, but not nearly enough do we explain how to create the resilience for the toughness that's required, right? And so what I mean by that is when we're faced with challenge, we're faced with situations rather uh, in our roles that challenge us, how do we adjust to that challenge, those challenges, and how do we recover from those challenges, that adversity, etc. Right. So, how do we adjust, and how do we recover? Because that is, those are key elements of resilience. What is it we need to do in order to develop the? if you like, muscles for that kind of flexibility and, and that kind of quick motion response, right? Um, if, if resilience is the move that we want to deploy when we're, you know, in the middle of the match or on the field or choose your metaphor, then, then what needs to be a part of our practice you know, before the big game, how do we practice that resilience? How do we build it? How do we, you know, how do we develop it? Those types of things. Yeah. So often, I suppose, is my point in the, in the conversations that we have where we just bandy about this word resilience, we don't actually talk about all those other things that I've just mentioned. We don't talk about what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we develop it? How do we deploy it? How do we practice it? Um, and also, how do we not overuse or misuse as well uh, the word? Okay, so those are some of the ways that we're sort of getting it wrong. And and I see it all the time. I mean, I see it, I'm sure you do too. I see it in everything from articles on work to, you know, um, exchanges that I have uh, with people about their jobs to, um, you know, pieces, articles that are that are in the news um, or different publications, but I think potentially those things are, um, I mean, some of them you can just sort of ignore or, um, you know, chalk up to people wanting to hit their work speak quota of the day, jargon quota of the day. Um, some of the more serious things in, in my humble opinion that we get wrong are, 
a little bit more worrying be a little bit more in our control and so let's let's really focus in on those yeah oh if isn't one noise it's another one why is somebody doing yard work now i need a recording studio okay under the heading of what we still get wrong that is worrying yet in our control that the answer to that can be found in design dum 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 um what do i mean by design okay are you listening listen carefully what i'm talking about is um your resilience design needing to have stitched into its very fabric uh rest okay if you do not have rest woven in through that design of having to work in a resilient way then your people will fall apart very quickly your teams will fall apart very quickly um an effective resilience model needs to have rest as a foundational core you know root component to hold it to hold your resilience uh, in place resilience will not cannot last for very long if it is either approached like a marathon or like a what's that really awful workout where you work it really hard and then you pause to pant for a minute hit hit workout I mean, it's got to be much more like, if we're going to stick with a metaphor, it's got to be much more like, I don't know, you sprint for a short time, then you take a nap, then you go eat something yummy, then you go for a walk in nature, and then you sprint again. That That's what I'm talking about. Like the, you know, not the, we're being resilient, we're being resilient. Okay, we're just going to go read a couple of emails. Now we're going back and we're being resilient, we're being resilient. That's not going to work. It's unsustainable. It's a it's an ineffectual model. So that's what I'm talking about. Design. Your design needs to have rest sewn into it as a part of um, how you work, how your team works, how individuals on that team have to work in order to make the resilience uh, appear. Okay. So those are the two things that we really, really get wrong. We get the language wrong. We get the discourse wrong. I mean, that's hardly shocking. Um, there's there's far too much uh, conflation of constructs that are, are just wildly dissimilar. Uh, for example, people talking about grind and, and when what they want to talk about is resistance. And those those two things are not actually, do you know what? If we could eradicate the word, the verb to grind from any work focused conversation, that would be, that would be a public service for good. Um, but, but you take my point, any language that's, you know, uh, adjacent to or attached to some sort of sustained forcefulness and, and that sustained forcefulness is this, you know, um, great thing that we're doing because it's resilience, then, then that is a very, uh, clear and shiny, wonderful indication that a conversation, conversation you need to have is, is about getting resilience right. Cause you at that point are not. Okay. So enough about what's going wrong. Let's talk about how do we change that? How do we get it right?
Okay, how do we get it right? What do we do? Where do we begin? Start at the very beginning of a very good place to start. Yes? The first thing I want you to do is to consider and then make adjustments to how your team works. And I mean that very extraordinarily literally. Um, I shall give you some very tangible examples. If you have a team that tends to do things like uh, your team has long meetings, and when I say long, I mean anything that's over an hour without a break is too long. And frankly, this like, you know, we had a meeting for three hours nonsense, give it up. This, the jig is up. They don't work. People's brains switch off after like, you know, between 40 and 50 minutes. You have to have breaks in there. Um, and during that break, everybody needs to go stand up and move out of the room and hopefully stare at something in nature. You know, go to the bathroom, get some tea, whatever it is. Um, if you have a team that meets or does work either together or individually across uh, lunch times, uh, if you have a team that sends emails outside of working hours, outside of office hours, any and all of those things, um, put an end to those things. Okay. And if you're doing it, shame on you, shame on you for managing people in that way. It is ineffective. It will lead to burnout. It will lead to exhaustion. It will lead to, uh, disengaged employees and, uh, ultimately will harm the business. So stop it. Unless you were, you know, in an operating room, elbow deep in somebody's guts, holding their organs apart and waiting for, you know, your colleague to suture something, then I don't want to hear about it. You do not need to work across a lunch break. You don't. Stop it. Professionals, resilience requires, you know, good basic scheduling hygiene, which means everyone on the team knows how to use their calendar and they do use it and share it with others so that everybody sees when everybody else is free and busy and you don't need to put everything, you know, you could sort of like have chunks of time blocked out and all that kind of thing. So we're not, we're not looking for like this, ha ha, I caught you doing something terrible. Um, but yes, if you're trying to line people up. So, you know, when we're, we can all be in the same space together, that's, it's really, really useful or even one other person. Um, but the other thing that, that needs to happen, uh, particularly in, uh, working environments where you want to develop resilience is you have to sew in times that are, that are untouchable for people to do deep work. Right. And so, you know, those times where you need to not have somebody wander by your desk and saying, oh, hey, a couple of quick questions or somebody pinging you on something or some, you know, they're able to turn off their notifications or able to get into whatever the document is they're working on or whatever the Excel uh, spreadsheet is they're working on, whatever it is. And they need to be able to to do a couple of Pomodoro uh, stages on that. OK. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with the Pomodoro um technique, then look it up. Um, it's really important to have those, those, uh, those bits in, in 
everybody's calendar and for everybody to respect them and for everybody to use them uh, and it will make everything much much more efficient okay um the other thing is if you're in a hybrid office which i hope you are um if it if it works for your organization agreeing on a day where most people will try to come into work to be together is also really useful i mean obviously you can't you know one of the whole points of hybrid is to to give people flexibility so you can't sort of i suppose force people to come but having that conversation on the team where like, okay can we agree on a day that is most likely to be successful because we do have to come physically come together to work on stuff sometimes um and whether that's you know um projects that you're working on specifically or stuff that you're trying to do around the sides on like you know learning or some kind of development stuff or um any of those types of things it's important to have uh, a day or or uh two where you're more likely for for people to be able to come together okay um similarly and this is uh, a, an issue that's very near and dear to my heart because i study hybrid work um, maintaining healthy boundaries is very, very important, particularly when people are out of the office, because we lose that, we lose that physical barrier to work and we lose that physical delineation. I'm at work. I'm not at work when we are working from home. And so when I say maintaining healthy boundaries that, you know, what I'm talking, what I'm talking about is not working in the evenings and not working at weekends you know, particularly in a way where it is very visible to other people. So they can, they can see emails coming in at those times or, um, you know, those, those types of things. Um, not working on when you're supposed to be off, when you're supposed to be on holiday or, or vacation time, depending on what you call it. Um, you know, if, if it's, if it's the case that you're working, you're working from home one day and during the day you had to do something. So you do some things in the evenings, that's, that's fine, but Learn how to use the delay send function on your email. Nobody needs to be, you know, I forgot to turn off my, my notifications and now I'm getting pinged at 9 p.m. about work and I'm unable to detach. It's really harmful and you cannot have resilience when you have that kind of um, constant attachment to your work. You need to um, have good hygiene around those things. Okay. There was a... There was a journal article published back in 2020 in the journal, what was it called? Social Science and Medicine. Uh, the title of the, the article is Mental Health Effects of Long Work Hours, Night and Weekend Work, and Short Rest Periods. The paper was, like I said, trying to look at the effects of work schedule on um, mental health and one of their samples they used was a group uh 1334 white collar workers and the authors of the paper found that long working hours and working on weekends caused a deterioration in mental health um the authors in this uh, who uh, conducted the study also found that short-term rest for example you know a few hours of rest in the evening was not as impactful as long-term rest, for example, across the tar weekend. Um, it was not as impactful on the worker's health. Okay, now, I imagine that this 
the outcome of this study is not shocking you. I'm, I'm sure it's no surprise to you, dear listener. What I would imagine most of us are aware of is the importance of rest. Whether we participate in it or whether we are engaging in rest that is actually effective rather than doing something that we think is restful, but actually it isn't, it isn't good enough for, for what our brains need. That is another story entirely. So let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. Okay. What is rest? What does it look like? Let's go back to the practical examples of things. Real true rest requires being away from your work. And when I mean, when I say being away from your work, I mean, not checking your emails, um, not in the office. Uh, but it also, I also mean mentally away from your work, right? You're not thinking about work. You're not going back over conversations from earlier that day or worrying about something that's coming up tomorrow or having, <laughs> having made up fights in your head. You know, we're all, we're all susceptible to it. We all do it. We're all guilty of it, but, and, and that's fine when it happens, but stop yourself and then go do something, go do anything, anything at all to make you make your brain stop engaging in that way because that is not, uh, that's not restful. The kind of rest that I'm talking about looks like your brain being engaged in something that allows for repair and allows for restoration. Okay. Um, some activities that, that, um, help with this repair and this restoration that I'm talking about are, um, for example, any kind of manual dexterity activity does this. Things like painting or drawing or crafting or tinkering, you know, but a tinkering, great word. Um, exercise of basically any type repair helps to repair your brain. So, you know, and it doesn't have to be hugely strenuous. You just go for a walk in the evening. That's great. Um, Engaging in social networks does a very good job of, of repair and restoration as well. Uh, it's obviously much better if you do that in real life than if you do it online, particularly if you, um, better than doing it on social media, because being on a platform that's designed around, you know, clicking and all that kind of thing is, is, is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually being in a room with other people and doing something together, working on their, you know achieving something together, whether that's a choir or a book club or some volunteer service, or I don't know, um, cleaning up the local, uh, park or something. So you want to be in the same physical space as other, other heartbeats essentially. Okay. Um, if, if you can find some way to combine a, a few of these elements, that would be a really, really particularly effective use uh, of a rest period. So you think about, okay, I need a long rest period, right? Weekend. Great. I need, um, you know, I need the social aspect. I need the, the physical aspect. I need the, uh, reconnecting with nature. I mean, tr look up things like, um, if you're in the UK, well, actually around the world, I think people do it now. Um, the park runs, right? You don't actually have to, to run on those things. You just, you know, register, show up, it's free. And uh, you could walk the whole time and that's fine. And you're with others, it's social, it's physical, you're moving, you're in the, the great outdoors. I mean, tick, 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 it's all very good. If you were to 
choose one evening a week to to um, commit 20 minutes of journaling and do some sort of worry audit or what's what's stressing me out right now what am I and or what am I excited about right now type thing uh, and then you started your morning with some gratitude practice or, or recognizing some bright spots in your in your recent uh, days I mean you'd be levitating you'd be doing very very well so that's what we need to do okay not be resilient be resilient be resilient oh let me just check my emails for a few minutes and then go back to um, being resilient again that's not restful enough actually it's not restful at all is it nearer Well, I know what your follow-up question is going to be. Your follow-up question is going to be, okay, so I managed this, you know, savvy group of, uh, you know, hyper-motivated personnel. How am I, how am I going to get them to do anything, any of these, these restful things? Well, that's a very good question. Let's address that in the next section. It's time for a break. So as a manager, how are you going to make this happen? How are you going to make your team engage in this repairing, restorative rest in the ways that I have described? Well, what you do is you get them all into a room and you just start yelling. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, the truth is you don't really make anybody do anything. Um... What you do instead is, for a start, uh, be the change you want to see, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to model the behavior that you want to see, um, both so others can uh, see what you're doing and, you know, mimic, but also to, to avoid that do as I say, not as I do, uh, very unconvincing way of functioning. Um, so yeah, step one is, is doing the things that you want others to do and making sure they're, you know, uh, they can see that happening. Uh, another thing you ought to consider is bringing in the sort of learning that needs to happen. If that learning needs to happen in a more formalized way, i.e. if you need to get somebody in to do a couple of workshops on, uh, you know, whether it's. Uh, scheduling hygiene or um, well-being things like having good boundaries and work hybrid approaches that are not um, harmful to us Um, any of the things that I've talked about if that needs to be a, a a learning a formalized learning intervention then make that happen okay um Finally, the other things that you need to do is you need to encourage the, the behavioral change. And also you need to, to notice and, and um, say that you are noticing the changes taking place. I mean, too often change starts to take place and uh, man- managers don't feed that back to the people who are making those changes and need to hear, yes, like that. Very good. Um some organizations I have read about um, have started sort of initiatives for for learning and sharing on teams. So this is very 
small scale example that has um, large impact. Um, and it, the the initiative kind of goes like this: everybody on the team gets some kind of, um, if if it's available, gets a, a learning stipend. And they spend it on any kind of learning. It doesn't have to be related to their job, to work, to the organ. nothing. Um, they just get, here's your fill in the blank amount of money, go, You but you must spend it on, it must be spent in some learning capacity. So you must put yourself on some kind of, I don't know, whether it's a cookery course or basket weaving or small engine repair. I don't know. Whatever it is. And then each week... Uh, employees spend a certain amount of time on that on learning that thing and then once either you know a fortnight or a month or whatever the frequency is a, a slightly um less frequent than than the learning itself that happens they uh the employees are organized into a session where they talk about what 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 have i learned this week or what have i learned recently as a part of this larger thing that i'm doing um, what am I getting out of this process? What challenges have I faced? How have I overcome these challenges? Do you have any advice for me, Cher, and what, what's going on in your thing? And this, this little, the small, um, you know, not expensive, not taking away from anything else uh, initiative has these, these great results. It has this great, um, the impact of an organization supporting understanding and supporting the value of just learning in general of feeling competent of being able to talk to others about something of you know experiencing the sort of same sort of like oh i'm really struggling with this little thing that um came up in my my course last week oh tell us a little bit more about it oh how why do you have you thought about so great so healthy i mean just if you can manage something like that go for it because that kind of thing would have such a massive impact on everybody's everybody's general well-being but also increasing incidences of positive engagement uh with with colleagues and all of the benefits that come out of that okay making people people feel connected to each other and connected to the work that they do is is terribly important um I should clarify when I'm talking about, you know, how how to get people to to get on board with with the the changes that you're trying to make and everything. We we want to be as we don't want to misuse language and as we don't want to confuse nor conflate uh, the idea of resilience. We also don't want to misuse language around well-being and health and all things related. Um, I think currently, particularly on social media, you see a lot of misuse of that language. And so we, we don't want to get into that area. Um, so what I'm, I suppose what, what's important to note is that if somebody is experiencing some sort of acute mental, um, ill being, right. Um, that person will need a, a healthcare response to meet that, that issue. Right. And, you know, Gratitude practice is not going to fix that problem. The level of feeling um, a reduction in well-being that I'm talking about in this particular podcast episode is the result as a result of um, trying to be resilient all the time and not having the kind of rest that I talked about 
as a part of the design of working in a job that requires resilience or working in a role or a, a context that re requires resilience. Okay. So, you know, that might be uh, happening across the space of a day's work, or that might be happening across a longer period of time, such as, you know, you've been in that role for a few years and it's really starting to, uh, you're really starting to feel the effects of it, or you're seeing the effects of it happening on your team, for example. And I should say as well, if you, if you're hearing complaints of burnout from your team, then th there are ways to to get a, a more insight into that, um, you can use, for example, something called the, the BAT, the burnout assessment tool. Um, it is a self-report questionnaire that me that measures burnout complaints. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't diagnose, right? This, again, that's, that's something that needs to be done by a, um, a professional and requires much more than just a, a self-report questionnaire. However, Doing the burnout assessment tool will help you get a better, a more, it will help give people language and give more clarity to what it is that people are experiencing. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, these are, uh, freely available resources. If you Google burnout assessment tool, you will find, uh, an open access site that has the survey, the guidance on how to use it. It's got, um, the science behind it as well. If you have an interest in that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, I, I suppose I just want to, to make the distinction between seeing the sort of, of, uh, fatigue and maybe getting into areas of exhaustion and hearing that feedback from your team and then trying to understand ways that you can make changes to, to improve on that. Okay. Also as preventative measures. Um, when you are, particularly if you are newly managing a team and this, um, this idea of resilience is really important in your, your industry or in your organization, then these are some things that you, you want to put into place, um, to, to set up healthy ways of working to prevent, uh, problems from happening down the road. Okay. So, yes. No shouting, no yelling, no terrifying people in a small room with threats and allegations. That's not the way forward, professionals. I want to thank each and every one of you very much for tuning in today to listen to this episode on what we are getting wrong, what we are still getting wrong about resilience. Um, please tune in for future episodes on topics such as uh, teamwork, productivity, and other things that we still inexplicably get wrong and how we can get them right, or at least closer to right. As always, you can follow me on what used to be called Twitter at but I'm a profesh. You can find me on LinkedIn. Good luck. Um, and you can email the show at butimaprofessional at gmail.com. Also, I have a substack where I write uh, the written version of these episodes. If you are more of the reading sort, please engage, like, share, and comment 
uh, on these things on the socials so that other people will see them and will be able to uh, equally benefit from them. I wish you resilience and I wish you rest. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Goodbye.